Good morning, this is Danger Dan here in the talk shop. <clears throat> Coming at you today from a small hacienda, hosteria, in Ibarra, Ecuador, drinking coffee grown and roasted right here on the farm. A man said it's the first of its kind in this area. This isn't like a, a coffee bean area, but he loves fucking coffee. It's actually a, uh, a couple from... California that happened to be here on vacation and uh, what a hell of a time to be on vacation in Ecuador we will get to that later on but <clears throat> today's show I want to tell you about my experience riding the trampoline del Diablo or trampoline del Morta or my favorite adios mi vida goodbye my life these are all nicknames for one of the Top 5, 10 dangerous roads in South America that I rode in Colombia last week. And what a hell of an experience it was. Like, you know, I made jokes all the way down there about how, yeah, I'm going to ride the supposed most dangerous road in Ecuador or in Colombia. But I wasn't even convinced that myself. I'd already ridden a road in Colombia that I was like, if, it, if it's much worse than this, you know, I'll be fucking impressed. Well, let me tell you what. I was impressed. And impressed isn't even, <clears throat> that's not even the right word for it. It was, dude, it was awe-inspiring, man. So, the last I talked to you, I was at a coffee farm in Montezales, uh, hanging out with my new friend, Chandronia. He, uh... Dude, he's a kid. He's on his fucking bicycle pedaling around Colombia. Dude, he's insane. He flew down from Oregon and uh, just stoked that I got to meet this guy. And, you know, dude, we, we just enjoyed our time in Montezales. And then I left him. <clears throat> left him there because he's not on a motorcycle. He can't ride as fast as me. I rode down to Papayan, which was, it was a good little stretch. It was like the first... Um, stretch of Colombia where I just jumped on like their main interstate and just hauled ass. I bypassed this big, the next big city, which is Cali, and I uh, got to Papayan. I fucking found the nicest hotel I could. I mean, it was modern, it was new, and it costed like 30 bucks a night. I <laughs> uh, had a bar and a steakhouse. It was funny, the steakhouse, uh, you know, it was like they had an American, you know, they had fucking filet mignon, right? But what was more expensive on the menu than filet mignon was beef chorizo. So, of course, I fucking ordered the beef chorizo, and I definitely should have ordered the filet mignon. I mean, the chorizo wasn't bad, but when I say expensive, what was it? It was like 32,000 pesos, so less than 12 bucks. Uh, Colombia still, I mean, it just blew my mind how, how well American dollar translated down there. So then I spent the night <clears throat> hanging out with a guy who had just like, it's like, he's a fucking, you know, what did he call himself? A public figure, a lawyer who had just gotten elected into office. Um, and it was where I got to do my first bit of Colombian cocaine in Colombia. Now, you know, I did a couple bumps with this dude in the bathroom. He just drugged me in there at one point. My favorite part, though, was the way he did his cocaine. He, like, dumped it out in the palm of his hand and just threw it at his face and, like, ate it and snorted it and wiped it all over his face. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. Then he called in the girls, you know, had the girls come over, and that's that's when it got a little hairy. So I, I got out of there. But I'm glad, you know, three things I wanted to do in Colombia. 
actually there's four things. Drink some coffee, you know, some good, nice coffee, which I did a lot of that. Snort the cocaine. <clears throat> Ride the most dangerous road in the country and play Tejon. Now, unfortunately, I left Colombia without ever playing Tejon. I'm quite disappointed in myself. Did I just say quite disappointed? But <clears throat> I guess I'll just have to go back. I don't mind that at all. Um, you know, maybe we'll do a trip in the future where if you go to DangerDanceTalkShop.com and sign up to become a patron, this is a trip I might, uh, this, that, that might be what I sponsor. I give away is a trip to Columbia with Danger Dan riding some of the gnarliest roads and playing Tejon. Oh, man, I might have to put that together. But you got to go to DangerDanceTalkShop.com and sign up to become a patron. Five bucks a month gets you a chance at winning. Rad shit. Every month I give away a $100 gift card to Low Brow Customs. That's right. $100 gift card. And you know Low Brow has got something on that website you want. I know when I get back, I got a case of oil that I'll be fucking sticking in my chopper. Well, not the whole case, but I'm going to do an oil change and I'm going to ride that motherfucker. Um, dude, Lowbrow supports me and they can support you too. Check them out. Lowbrowcustoms.com, dude. I've given away some amazing things because of that Patreon. And I've gone to some amazing places with the with the money that you guys donate by running it through the fucking chopper, this Pan America, the dirt bikes, everything. And it's an amazing thing. Thank you all so much. Uh, thank you, Knives Made by Nick. Dude, we gave away a bunch of knives. We gave away a string of knives for a minute. That was rad. Uh, we gave away a race bike. I gave away a motor from Boston Billy. A couple years ago, I gave away a trip to Nepal thanks to Motorcycle Sherpa. And we are going back in November, dude. That's right. We're going back to Nepal, and you can go with us. There are a few spots left. Go to MotorcycleSherpa.com. We're going on the trip the first two weeks in November. It's going to be sick. If you don't know nothing about that, you can search Danger Dan and Motorcycle Sherpa, and it'll pull up a few podcasts I did with Bear while I was in Nepal. It's an amazing time. If you've been listening to the show, you probably heard me talk about it. <clears throat> so this is your chance to go ride Nepal with Danger Dan. Um, what else do I want to tell you? Oh, to go to mcshoptees.com and sign up now, dude. Your T-shirt of the month club, the only way to support this show and every local motorcycle shop. I got some rad shops coming up for you and rad fucking art, dude. Seriously, rad art. And I got a couple shops coming from you from outside the USA, dude. And all these shirts are limited run. I hope that you were signed up and you got the Danger Dan American Highway shirt because that shirt's fucking bad and we're not going to print any more of them. So, dude, once you see it on the internet, it is too late. You got to be signed up. MCShopTees.com. We got women's, men's, and kids' sizes. You can change them every month. You get charged every month. Or you can buy a 3, 6, or 12-month package. It's a beautiful thing. MCShopTees.com. So, I'm in Papayan, which is down south of Medellin, in the Medellin Valley, and I got to cross over. Well, I don't have to, but I decided to cross back over to the Bogota Valley and go by this place called San Agustin, because I talked to some ladies in Guatapé that said it was fucking amazing, and they were right, dude. That day, also, I went through, like, this national park, and... uh there's a volcano there. The road is pretty fucking gnarly. Like, 
it was definitely different than any road I'd ridden. It was like, there was like moss, rock covered tree walls on either side. It rained the majority of the time. It got pretty fucking cold. Um, but it was beautiful. I mean, I, the cloud cover kept me from seeing too far, but there was bridges that went over these giant cracks in the earth. And, uh, dude, the road is, you know, that was one of the fucking cooler roads, uh, for sure. And it was beat up. It's amazing the buses and shit that go down these roads. They're so fucking gnarly. And, uh, and I took a, like a, you know, a dirt road. Like I went over a bridge and I saw an older bridge down the river. And then I saw a dirt road that looked like it led to that bridge. <clears throat> so I went down it. And then I got to this weird, like, concrete wall with barbed wire on it and then on on the fucking concrete a big thing spray painted said fark which if i'm correct is like the rebel forces that live in the fucking jungle now supposedly they've been disbanded but actually seeing that and being there i was just like i mean i got goosebumps now dude it's just a bit much to like be in the forest so deep and then see like what looks like a you know a perimeter with their fucking shit spray painted on it. I got the fuck out of there, you know? No hanging out. I did take a photo. I stopped. I was like, you got to take a photo. And it was a long shot, but I did. I took a photo, and I'll post it. I don't know. I can't. Even, I haven't even looked at the photo, really, since I took it. But I got out of there and got down that road. And, uh, man, that was cool. And that took me to uh, San Augustine. <clears throat> and holy shit, dude. I stayed in this fucking place called the Messiah, I think. And it was like staying at the fucking Jurassic Park Lodge without all the fucking dinosaurs. It was so fucking killer, man. Uh, and then I like had this yurt thing that like looked over this valley with waterfalls in the distance. And it was just like plush green all around. <clears throat> that was really, that was a fucking really amazing spot. San Augustine. Um, and then from there I had a little quick jaunt where I went down to Macau, which was like my staging point to do Trampoline del Diablo. And, you know, there's a couple of, there's, there's some things to do in Macau. I thought it was just like a pass-through town, but it's actually quite a popular town. Uh, there's like this, the end of the world waterfall down there. And that's another thing they call this road is the end of the world road. But uh, I wasn't sure where I was gonna stay. I wasn't finding anything good on the Google. And then when I got close to town, it fucking wasn't working at all. Like, it just, it wasn't, I don't know, my phone, my service wasn't working. So I ended up finding this place called, oh man, I wonder if I could find it again. It was a little hostel. Now, the hostel they're, I think what they specialize in is ayahuasca trips. Let's see. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not seeing it. What the name of it is, but yeah. So when I get there, <clears throat> they're all fixing to go do what they kept calling like a medicinal ceremony, a plant. A medicinal plant ceremony, which I knew exactly what the fuck they were talking about. I mean, just from the paintings on the wall. But I could tell, like, after my tour of the hostel, I was like, well, if this is the condition your kitchen's in, I'm not going into the fucking jungle and doing hallucinations with you guys. Or hallucinogens. 
which, <clears throat> you know, was good. Uh, so I hung out with this dude from Madrid, Spain. We had the place to ourselves, man. We cooked up this fucking hilarious dinner with what we had, with bugs and all sorts of shit. And, uh, and he told me about his ayahuasca experience. And it was like... <laughs> He said it was just like the most brutal six hours of his life, dude. <clears throat> he wasn't able to break through. He wasn't able to puke or shed or like release all the demons. And was just like, you know, sat in a miserable position in pain for six hours. Dude, he just kept telling me how brutal it was. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, sometimes you'll have that when you do drugs like that, you know. Not everybody gets just the fucking the, the beautiful experience that uh, we all aim for. Uh, but <clears throat> so planning for, you know, the devil's trampoline, it's supposed supposedly like a four hour ride. <clears throat> you know, I wanted to fill up on gas, get some water, snacks, cigarettes, you know, just in case something happened. And, uh, you know, one of the things like this row was built, you know, fucking 80 years ago or more, maybe a hundred years ago to transport troops back when Colombia was fighting Ecuador, I think, or fighting somebody. I don't, you know, look it up if you really want to know. And, you know, there's some, like, guerrilla shit going on in the jungle down there. There's some guerrilla grow operations. It goes past one of the most densely, the most, it's like the most densely populated area of the rainforest with psychedelic uh, plants. And that's in a little town called Sibindoy, which a lot of like, you know, plant, psychedelic plant research has been done and writers have written about uh, S-I-B-U-N-D-O-Y. It's a pretty, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's a hot psychedelic spot. I, uh, you know, on another trip, I'd like to spend more time there. But I'll tell you about my experience when I got there. When I get there... Um, it, uh, so, you know, there's a lot of things that make this road dangerous. One of the biggest things, though, is the landslides. You know, like shit just sli the road just sliding away or shit sliding onto the road. So the night that I'm staying at this little hostel with the, the Spaniard while everybody's out doing ayahuasca, it fucking poured cats and dogs, dude. I'm talking about. It was the hardest rain I have been in. Not that I was even in it, but it's the hardest rain I've experienced since I've been in, since, since I've left Texas, really. And, uh, you know, I just kind of tried to ignore that, you know, like, because I wasn't going to hang out there for another day, you know, like that. I mean, that hostel is not a place I even wanted to hang out for another day. And, you know, I'm fucking excited about riding this road. It's like, okay, well, that's just something else to, you know, make it more exciting, right? You know, but I, I mean, I, I was a little bit nervous. You know, I was thinking, you know, not even like I was nervous that they might just shut the road down and I wouldn't get to do it, right? Like, oh, there's a fucking, the road washed away. You got to go someplace else, which then I would had to stay and, you know, maybe I found another spot, but, uh. Anyways, that next morning, I go get fuel, get gas, and I get cigarettes, and I forget to get water and snacks, you know? When I got the, the important stuff, right? Tobacco and gas. And I take off somewhat early, about 8 o'clock, and 
to get to this road, I mean, it's on the map, it looks like it's the main road leaving town. Uh, wasn't that easy to find, and my maps wasn't working good, and it was fucking raining, and, you know, I got off to a weird start, you know, I was like, I don't know, not the best experience that morning at that place, dude, we were drinking like fucking, this is the first time I hadn't even had real coffee, it was like the fucking instant, and the Spaniard, he was like, he just talked about how terrible the coffee was in Colombia, and how he used this instant coffee, because he could make strong coffee like he's used to like Italian coffee. So it wasn't terrible, but you know, it wasn't great either. And, um, anyways, I finally, I get, I get out of town. I get on the road after making a bunch of U-turns and pulling my phone out in the rain, thinking I was going to fuck it up. And, and I get on the road and it weaves around for a while. And, and then, you know, I see the sign from that goes from pavement to dirt to gravel or dirt. And, it got so fucking sick so quick. It was amazing. I'm talking about like everything I wanted it to be. Fucking cliffs. There was a couple river crossings, man. I was soaking it up. My GoPro was working. My camera, I was pulling my phone out. It was raining, but just enough where I could like, not too much where I couldn't pull out my phone to take some cool pics. The, you know, they said not to wait for the weather to be good because there's always cloud cover up there in this spot and... That's another thing that makes it dangerous is sometimes the fog gets so dense that you just can't see. And it was clear, you know, I couldn't see forever, but I could like, you know, there are spots where I could see down below where I had come from or see the road up ahead cut into the mountain. You know, the guardrails were hilarious, dude. If you, you know, there was more guardrails than I expected, but like there would be a guardrail and there'd only be like two posts within like 60 yards holding up this fucking giant guardrail because all the other posts had like slid off into the canyon. And then if there wasn't one of those, the guardrail would be like a piece of bamboo with caution tape, dude. <laughs> it was like, it was wild. And like a lot of it is just like only passable by one vehicle. And, you know, but on a, you know, a vehicle and a car most of the time. There was spots where like only a vehicle, you know, a bus or a truck could go. Like I'd have to wait or I'd have to race down the section to get there to get before the car would come down because the cars just assume they've got the right of way with the bikes they just they know that the bikes are going to go around them anyway so they don't slow down or manipulate or maneuver uh in favor of a motorcycle because they're going to get fucking passed by them anyways this one truck I ended up passing multiple times because I'd pass them and then I'd stop and take a photo and take it all in and it's pretty rad so about an hour in I come up to like three or four vehicles stopped. I go around them to find caution tape spread across the road and like three or four rescue vehicles and like these people's in these uniforms and with like uh, like rock climbing harnesses on, you know, around their fucking groin and their chest with like reflective shit. And they have this tripod set up and I'm like, oh shit, man, fucking roads closed, you know? Uh, you know, and I can't really figure out what's going on at first, but it looks like to me that they got this tripod set up so that they could, like, with pulleys at the top where they could, like, lower somebody down. And sure enough, they start lowering rescue workers down. And, uh, dude, they spent the next six hours pulling four bodies up. Yeah, four bodies up out of this fucking valley. It was, uh, dude, it was brutal. And it rained the whole time, okay? 
And, you know, at one point I was like about an hour in, I was like, fuck it. I can just go down and start this tomorrow. Cause there was a, a dude from, um, Belgium and he had been in Ecuador and he was trying to get back home to, to Belgium. And like Ecuador is kind of like not the place to be right now. Cause they're rioting in the streets, just roadblocks everywhere. You can't travel around very easy. He got stuck someplace, had to take like a, a small plane to, I think, I think he just threw in a small, no, he walked out. That's what it was. He walked past the roadblocks, caught another bus, got to Columbia and was trying to make it to a flight that night. And so he was in a truck with a driver and he came up and said, well, this could take four or five hours. And I was like, yeah, right. There's no way they're going to like, just like the logistics of blocking that road as traffic built up. You can't like turn around like the motorcycles could, but there was a little spot where you could turn around, like kind of by where it was at. But like to stop, I just didn't believe it. Well, an hour goes in and I'm seeing these guys like put in a firm hold. They're moving the tripod around. They're doing like exploring, you know, like they're sending guys down in different sections and coming back up and making assessments and looking at other areas where they can go down and Okay, so he was right. It ended up, and it was raining the whole fucking time. We were on the side of the road for six hours, dude. Six hours, and nobody, not a single person was like, oh, I'm just going to go back down and go another way, because there's not really another way that you could go to save. Even if you knew it was going to take six hours, you'd still take, it would take six hours to go around another way. But not even anybody We just like went back down to town and said, you know, I'll try again tomorrow. Because that's what I kept thinking. Maybe that's what I should do. But the other thought in my head is time went on. You know, the cars, they can't, you know, they back up in a line all the way down this road as far as we could see. But the motorcycles all ride past all the traffic and get to the front. So after a couple hours, I was the first motorcycle to get stopped. After a couple hours, there's like, you know, six, seven, eight bikes in front of me and at the front. And, you know, then there was 20, then there was like 30 or 40. And I kept thinking, dude, when they fucking finish this and we all take off at the same time, it's going to be sick. It's like, it's going to be a fucking race, you know, like, I mean, that's what I'm going to treat it as. And after, you know, this is a road you don't want to get stuck out on at night. So everybody's going to be in a rush after being stuck, you know, only an hour into a four-hour ride for six hours. You know, everybody's going to be in a hurry. And, dude, it just, it just got me kind of excited. You know, like, well, fuck, I'm not going to I'm not gonna try again tomorrow. Like, this is a – I mean, how often on the most dangerous road in Colombia do they stop all the bikes for six hours and then release them all at once? So – Oh my God, it started getting exciting. You know, like, uh, now, okay, it's exciting. I mean, they're, they're dragging dead bodies out of the middle of this valley. You know, it took, I mean, they were, there was a lot of people helping out, working, you know, like, dude, it was a serious situation. They dragged four dead bodies up, and they would, like, send down a guy with, like, this heavy Kevlar plastic, like, thing to wrap the bodies up in. And then they'd attach it to the rope, they'd, or they'd wrap the body up, attach it to the rope, and then the rope would go up to the top of the uh, 
the uh, the tripod, and then it would go down and they'd do like a double back thing to use like, you know, I don't know how to explain that. And then the rope would go down the road and there'd be like 15 guys all pulling on this thing. And then there would be somebody sitting on the body wrapped up in this orange like plastic thing, like maneuvering it through the trees and bushes as they pulled. I mean, they were practically pulling two bodies up at once, a live one and a dead one. And, you know, it, it was, I would guess that it was probably seeing the rope and then looking at the valley 200, 300 foot. I mean, dude, it was deep. It was fucking deep. And at first we thought there was only two bodies from, you know, people talking. And then third body came up. Fuck. Surely that's it, right? Like the guys on the motorcycles, everybody started gearing up, getting their bikes warmed up. And I'm like, oh my God, this is going to go off. And then sure enough, they're dragging the fourth body up, dude. Now everybody's on their motorcycle, dude, pointing it in the right direction, like getting all their shit together. And it's been raining this whole time, you know, and everybody's, like all the locals have all their shit, like their feet tied in fucking uh, garbage bags. And what's funny is the, the rain gear most of them use is like a big poncho. And then they wear the poncho over them and their backpack. Or if there's a girl behind them, they wear it. And the girl just has it flipped over her and... There was a few of them with like full-on rain gear. Most of them did not have that. Most of them just had ponchos. And I would say the majority of them were riding two up. Like, and the most of the bikes were 150s. There was a couple 200s. And it was cool seeing like some of them were like, you know, slightly customized with the handlebars or like, uh, you know, with aftermarket rims or stickers or... You know, like not heavy mods, but you know, you could tell the people who had 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 their bike for a minute and like put some extra love in it, you know, and it was cool to see. So, yeah, so now they got the fourth body up. I'm on my bike. Everybody's on their bike warming them up. And, uh, you know, and, and how the fucking the cars are going to get through all of this because, you know, the lines backed up both directions. Now, you couldn't see very far, but I assure you, if there was half as many cars as there was motorcycles in as many places where only one vehicle can get by at a time, I don't, it, it probably took them another six hours to get all those vehicles through that situation. And you know what I was wondering, I was like, which side is going to release the motorcycles first? You know, like, are we going to get to go first or are the other motorcycles going to come first? Because they're definitely going to, they got to get the motorcycles out of the way because we're all in the way. And sure enough, as we're like letting these emergency vehicles get turned around and them roll up the ropes and pack up all their gear, bam, the fucking the, the motorcycles coming from the other direction all fucking like peel ass through, which gets everybody on my side even more excited, right? Or at least it got me excited. And once again, I'm in the back. Like everybody's in front of me. Like they all, you know, they all came in after me. So finally the fucking the green flag gets lifted dude and we all just fucking take off now now not everybody like took off like like i said this is a fucking gnarly road it's been raining for six hours there's a cliff on one side uh there's trap there's cars you know for probably a mile at least like that are waiting to go because they've been backing up as well and uh 
So there was, you know, there was some hesitation. Like, not everybody was on it like I was. So right out of the gate, I went past a couple of them, you know, more than a couple. And then, you know, like I'd say the last 10 or 15 were like, you know, they were trying to get it. But, dude, it it was so fucking sick. I mean, I just slowly passed. I, not, I tried not to do it too aggressively, but I passed every single one of these motherfuckers, dude. And, like, was waving and honking and, like, you know trying to let them know that I was having fun and I wasn't trying to be mean and aggressive but at the same time I was being fucking aggressive dude it was like how many how many chances are you gonna get to ride a road like that where they fucking hold up all the motorcycles for six hours and then release you all at once so I was excited I mean I was fucking excited and I passed like the last three or four dudes like all in the same fucking stretch dude and just got on it and then I go around a couple turns, and then bam, my fucking rear wheel locks up, and I come to a skidding stop, dude, like right next to this fucking cliff in a section where only one vehicle could go down this fucking stretch. I'm like, no fucking way. What the fuck happened? I look down, and my chain's all fucked up, and I'm like, no way. And I get off my bike, and then the first guy goes by me. I'm looking at the second guy, the third, fucking all those motorcycles I just passed are now passing me in the rain, in the middle of this fucking road, next to a cliff, not being able to move. My shit is completely locked up. I can't roll the bike forwards or backwards. I put it on the center stand and I'm like trying to fucking spin the wheel and pull the fucking chain out of the jam and dude, nothing was working. I was just like, no fucking way is this happening right now and then a truck comes from the other direction and i'm like sick maybe maybe these guys will get out and help me like put some force on it because the next thing i was gonna have to do is like you know fucking pull the axle and drop the wheel and i'm like dude on this fucking road in these conditions with all this fucking traffic like because once the the motorcycles go by like the next thing is gonna be the fucking cars right like yeah, there's going to be a fucking string of cars coming, you know, and they can, they're not going to make it. Now I'm going to be causing another fucking traffic jam on this goddamn road. So I'm fucking with it. That truck pulls up. I'm like, cool. And they pull up and they're facing me. And uh, once again, I can't move it. I try and push it off the center stand. Like I'm like, I'll at least try and get out of the fucking way because these guys aren't getting out to help. And I push it, I push it off the center stand and I try and roll it back. And as I'm trying to roll it back, like, every couple of inches, I move the truck inches forward. Like, it's just taking up any, like, oh, my, I was just like, no fucking way. And then, bam, something clipped, clicked. And the fucking thing unjammed. I get down there, and I fucking throw part of the chain on the sprocket, roll it back, get it on the sprocket. And I'm just, like, in such a relief. I'm like, oh, my God. Okay, okay. Back in business. Fucking get back on the bike take off and now I'm like so do I stop and like it you know move the axle and like adjust the chain or do I just say that was a fluke and keep going you know like I didn't really want to break out my fucking tools in the rain on this fucking road there's no like obviously there's no fucking shoulder and there's like no places to like get out of the fucking way completely and I got this string of cars and trucks and vans is fixing to come up behind me so as I'm like debating in my head what to do and going down this road, I like, I noticed that it's like feels funny, like something's just not right, right? So I like, 
I fucking stop and I look at it. Dude, the fucking chain didn't even go all the way back on the sprocket. The chain had like jammed itself on the sprocket in between like the outer chain links. Yeah, I'd never even seen it before. And it was so jammed up that it was still spinning the wheel. <clears throat> like, are you fucking kidding me? So I like, once again, I'm fucking on this gnarly road with no place to really pull over. I put it on the kickstand. I pull out my machete. I start hitting it, looking for something to like knock over, you know, the chain just a little bit so that I can roll it onto the fucking, the, the chain rollers, the sprocket onto the rollers where it's supposed to be. Still raining. You know, all those bikes are long gone, you know, and I end up fucking having to pull my tools out, loosen the axle, because I, I tried to just loosen the, or yeah, I loosened the axle, tried to fucking loosen the uh, axle adjusters, and it was so jammed that that fucking thing, I about stripped it, because of course my dumbass, the easiest thing to get to was my my all 16 wrench, and I tried to use that and like spun it a couple times. Now I'm like almost got the fucking axle adjuster nut fucking stripped. I'm like, no way. So I pull out like a the 12 point, you know, closed in wrench. Fucking it won't even go on there at first. I'm like, oh my God. You know what I'm like? The tension's high. I'm fucking excited. It's raining, and I'm like, no way. And I like just start fucking hammering on it with my hand, finally get it on there. Dude, I had to spin that thing like fucking, tw I think I counted 22 half turns to get it loose enough to fucking get that chain onto the sprocket. So, But then once I do that, I'm like, oh, okay, all right. So now it's there. I tighten it up, get the chain where it's like, I mean, the, the axle adjusters are almost all the way back. I obviously need a new chain. I need a new tire, dude. It's fucking bald as shit. And... Uh, but I get it all set up, and I'm like, oh, my God, what a relief. So I take off, and, uh, you know, in the road, it just keeps on blowing my mind. It's just like fucked up guardrails, bamboo guardrails, switchbacks, like waterfalls, river crossings. And it was like, you know, the clouds would clear just a little bit so I could see the roads cut into the fucking mountain ahead. And, oh, my God, it was sick. And since... I, you know, all the bikes had gotten like a, you know, at this point, five to ten minutes or more of me fucking with my shit. They've gotten ahead of me quite a bit. So now I'm like, relax, taking my time, taking, like, jumping off the bike and taking photos and, like, just really enjoying it, you know? Like, you know, hopefully getting some good GoPro footage. You know, I didn't, wasn't smart enough to, like, wipe off the lens ever, so I'm sure that it's, like, raindrops all on the footage, but... You know, I was really, I was really enjoying it. And then, uh, and then I came up to a bike. I'm like, fucking damn, pass, passing a bike, dude, catching back up. And, uh, over, you know, after the road just kept being like that, like, you know, there's only so many photos I can take. I'm not a fucking great photographer anyways. Uh, then I see some, this two dudes, they're on the fucking side of the road with the fucking tire off the rim of the rear of the bike. Dude, the rear wheel's off, tire's off that. You know, I stop, make sure that they're good. They give me the thumbs up. They're like, we're golden. Keep going, dude. And over the next fucking two hours, I fucking passed all those motherfuckers again, dude. Like, after I passed a couple of them, I got excited. Now I'm not jumping off the bike and taking photos, dude. I'm like, I'm back hammering down, dude. And then I get to this one spot, dude. Oh my God, this fucking guy standing in the road. He's like waving me. 
like, you know, fucking telling me to stop. Not like with a uniform on. This is just like a fucking local bystander or something. And there's a fucking backhoe. And in front of the backhoe, there is a dump truck. Now, the fucking, the backhoe shovel is in the back, the bed of this dump truck. And they're using the dump truck to fucking haul the backhoe up this fucking hill down this narrow stretch. And the fucking, the big wheel, the big tire on the backhoe is flat and almost comes off the rim. So he's having to... He's using the the long arm shovel to, in the back of the dump truck, lifting up the heavy part of the fucking backhoe so that the dump truck can pull him on the two small wheels up this fucking hill. And I'm kind of up there close. And all of a sudden that shovel slips in the dump truck and the thing starts sliding back at me. And I'm like, oh my God, I just made it through all this shit. And now a dump truck is going to fucking, you know, run me off the fucking cliff. So I start looking for an exit strategy and I'm like, I don't have much of one except for just like, you know, fucking doing a quick 180 and going the other way down this fucking road. So I was like, on pins and needles, it got a little further up. Finally, there was like a space, and I like fucking just jammed in it. <clears throat> and, you know, kept fucking passing motorcycles. And, dude, you know, it was raining the whole time, climbing an altitude. My hands are getting fucking cold and numb. And and then I get to like one of the last dudes on the bikes, <clears throat> and he has, oh, he's on the side of the road pushing his bike with his girl walking behind him. And I stop, pull over, and what's up, dude? And he's like, mm, fucking chain. <clears throat> I'm like, oh, really? That same shit just happened to me when you fucking passed me earlier, dude. So I helped him out. I get his chain back on. I mean, I don't know why. It was so, his was so easy. Like, literally, we didn't, there was no wrenches involved. I just threw the chain over onto the sprocket and fucking rolled it backwards. And he was like, oh my God. You just, like, the look of like embarrassment and excitement and thankfulness uh, that he stopped or he, that, that he didn't stop when I was on the side of the road, you know, two hours ago. Yet I stopped and helped him out, got him back on the road, and passed him for the second time. Uh, it was pretty awesome. He was stoked, and I'm glad that I could help out. And hopefully the next time an American on a big bike fucking has trouble, he'll stop and help him out if he sees him, you know? And, uh, dude, was, but by this point, I, and I was coming down to that town I was telling you about, Sibindoy. And I talked to a guy while we were, you know, waiting on the side of the road for six hours, a kid from Columbia who spoke a little English, said that there was a music festival going on in Sibindoy. And, and I was like, well, fuck, I could stop. But if there's a music festival, like the fucking hotels are probably booked up. Like, I don't, it's already dark out. The next town's pretty far away. I don't want to like, I don't know. I just didn't want to stop. Like, I, I wanted to go to a place for sure. And I had looked at a spot, picked out a spot on the map that looked nice. That, you know, hopefully had hot water and, you know, food. It was a restaurant, hotel, and uh, it was off the beaten path, so I thought that might guarantee there'd be a room available. And uh, so I pushed on. You know, at this point, I haven't eaten. I didn't eat fucking breakfast. I didn't get snacks. I barely had any water in my containers to drink during that six hours on the side of the fucking road. And uh, I should have just had the containers open and been catching rainwater if I'd have been smart, but... Uh, Guess I'm not that smart. Anyway, so I go past Sivendoy and I'm headed to that hotel. And I had no fucking idea I was going to climb like another 3,000 foot over the next like hour and a half. While it's still raining, it got down to seven, 
seven fucking degrees, and I am soaked. And at one point, you know, my rain gear, I'm wearing like Carhartt bibs. They're like just rubber Carhartt bibs and then like a, a Carhartt jacket. And in the bibs, there's like a, you know, an overall pocket that's waterproof. So I stick my phone in there behind my jacket. So when I jump off my bike to take a photo, I unzip my jacket, pull that phone out and stick it back in, zip the jacket back up. Well, at some point, I didn't fucking zip the jacket up and was riding for God knows how long with my jacket wide open. And since I'm wearing that badass sitting off like uh, canvas vest, I didn't feel the fucking rain. And dude, I ended up, I mean, I was soaked like inside and out soaked. And it's seven fucking degrees and I'm riding up this fucking mountain pass like so tense just like i mean every single muscle in my body dude just like and it you know fuck it was not straight at all then i come to another town and it looked like they were having a fucking giant street festival like the traffic was all fucked up and i start noticing like custom motorcycles in the backs of trucks and bikes everywhere like fucking bikes everywhere hearing two strokes zip around i'm like Damn, there's like a fucking custom bike show going on right now. And I knew that the this last weekend there was a custom bike show up in northern Colombia, the Piore, I think is the name of the spot. You know, Sean said he saw like fucking 300 Harley Davidsons. Uh, there's a couple riding around on a Pan America from, I think they're from Spain, and they were there for it. But this was another bike show going on. But all I could think, I, I wasn't even thinking about, I mean, I did think about stopping, but all I could really think about was like, oh, fuck, there's probably no fucking hotels here anyways, you know? like, And I just fucking kept pushing on. And I was racing this dude who was two up on a fucking two-stroke, and he was fucking on it. Like, I wasn't even able to go as fast as him, mainly because I was just fucking tense and cold like frozen my hands aren't fucking hardly working and but once we started climbing up the fucking mountain again he did not have the power to keep up and uh dude and it got fucking so foggy dude i couldn't hardly see you know like when your brights don't even work it's just like dense fog fucking swervy roads i mean it was blacktop but uh oh my god it was it went from being like so awesome to, to devastating to see those people getting drug up to like fucking the most epic way to ride the road ever with all those other bikes to just fucking brutal misery, you know, fucking frozen. I mean, just fucking. Oh, God, it was so brutal. And then I finally get to this fucking little town and I'm like, at this point, I'm like, I don't give a fuck about that nice hotel that I found. Like, I have got to stop somewhere. And um, they're fucking, I couldn't find a goddamn hotel in this fucking town. I'm like, no way, dude. And I'm like, I, like, I find a spot that says Hospodejo, which I think is like a hostel type spot. There's no, there's, there was just a door on the side of this building. There wasn't going to be any parking. And I did not give a fuck. There was a couple 18 wheelers parked outside. And I'm like, you know, I knock on the door, no answer. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? My phones don't even, I mean, my hands don't even hardly work good enough to fucking use my phone. But I get my phone out, and after I, like, wipe all the water off multiple times, it's dripping off me onto it. I pull up that fucking hotel I was headed towards, and it was in this fucking town. I was like, no way. And as soon as I realized that, somebody finally walked out the door and to tell me that they didn't have a room anyways. So I go find this fucking hotel, and uh, 
oh my god, I was so fucking excited when I pulled up in there. I mean, I was so fucking oh, dude, it was just like what a day. I mean, I think it was like eight o'clock, you know? Yeah, I think it was eight o'clock that evening. And you know, I go in there. I don't fucking speak enough Spanish to like really communicate. They just start jabber mouthing at me, asking me what I want, I guess. And when they realize that I don't speak Spanish that well, they like just didn't even care to help. It was like it was like they just seen an alien and just walked off. And I'm like, <laughs> like they didn't realize it, but I was gonna be sleeping in that fucking like right there on the ground. That like. They were either going to get me a room or not. And, uh, dude, they, fuck, I see him lighting a fire in this fucking restaurant. And I'm like, oh, sick. Oh, I'm fixing to go warm up by this fucking fire. And they're setting a table over there by it. And I'm like, oh, they are, fuck, look, look what they're doing for me. Like, this is all turning around. And then, uh, finally this guy, I fucking communicate with him. I just need room and a plate of food, you know, like, can you do that? I'll fucking give you money right now. So we worked that out. I ordered the food, ordered fish. Uh, and then, like, while this is all happening, I see that they're, like, putting flowers out on this table by the fireplace. I'm like, well, this is, okay, I, I read y'all all wrong. Like, now you're treating me, you know, this is fixing to be sick. I'm like, fucking give me that bottle of wine over there, you know? And so while I'm checking out and they're dressing this table up, this couple walks in. It was like this dude had set this up for him and his girl. They sit down with the flowers in the fireplace, and I'm like, now I can't even go. I mean, I can't just go over there and, like, fucking hang all my shit under this fireplace. Uh, I mean, I guess I could have, but I just, I didn't. I didn't. I wanted, I wanted to so fucking bad. But I'm like, all right, I'll go to, the, I'll go to my room. Surely, like, there's fucking heat or something, you know, and, I do this fish that I ate. I'd never seen a fish cooked this way. They they prepared it. It was like all it was like you know how they cook a fish with all the skin on it and but they filleted it open. All the bones were gone, but all the meat was on the skin and it was like deep fried. Oh my gosh, it was fucking amazing. And uh, I almost ordered another round. I was like, dude, just do it again, do it again. But I was like, nah, fuck it. I got to get out of these wet clothes and get warmed up. So I go to my room and, uh, you know, there's no fucking heat. There's like, there's no insulation in the fucking walls. I can feel like the wind coming through the walls and window. There's no fucking hot water. And I'm just like, and I almost, I get like attacked by a fucking giant uh, police dog, dude. I'm like, dude, get your fucking dog off me. Like, I can't, I can't, it's too much, man. Uh, I didn't thaw out for another 24 fucking hours. I swear to you. Oh my gosh. That was, that was a hell of a night. So the next day, <clears throat> you know, I'm like, I'm headed towards uh, Ecuador. I'm like right there, you know, and talking to that guy, he had to like, all the roadblocks are going on. I'm like, well, I'll go to a border town, which I should have known fucking border town from Texas, Mexico border, that those are not the best places and, you know, find a hotel and then like 
post up. Maybe this place will have fucking hot water and, you know, a place to dry my clothes and shit. And I did. It was like a three or four hour ride that day. Maybe not even that much. And, uh, Find a fucking, you know, the biggest hotel, biggest, nicest hotel I can find, hoping they have all the amenities. You know, it cost me 50,000 pesos, so it was $12 for a room. And it was weird. They kept locking the door. And anyways, getting to this hotel, I started noticing, like, all of these fucking families with their stuff. They're like refugees. It was Venezuelans, man. And... uh I ended up talking to this one family when I pulled over to like use my map and figure out where I might find a good hotel in this town. They start telling me how far they'd walked, and I'm like, I just gave them all the cash in my pocket. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't more than like 20 bucks or something, but you know, it's just like holy shit, you know. And you can tell, I mean, these, I mean, there's families. Like, I saw one family. the The mom and the dad both had double strollers, double strollers pushing them down the road, like, in the lane. Each one of them had a baby and a bag in the stroller. And then he was wearing a backpack and other gear. And Like, fuck, how long have they been, you know, getting down the road like this? God, it was insane. And uh, so anyways, I find a hotel. And the way that this guy was locking the door every time I'd go in and out, luckily he had parking and, you know, he just wasn't, instilling to me that this was like a very safe spot to hang out but anyways i get there they got internet i start looking at the ecuadorian situation and seeing like you know what they're doing to fix it you know it'd been going on for like 13 days at that point 12 or 13 and you know i'm like well you know it's mainly around the capital is what i kept reading so i was like well tomorrow i can just like get into ecuador get through the border and then go to the beach. You know, I talked to my friend Janelle Kaz, Moto Gypsy, who I've had on the podcast in the past. She's been down in Ecuador for a while. She's not there right now. But, uh, you know, I thought she said that she had this happen to her a few years ago and she got stuck on the beach, you know, and had to wait till it to die down. So I'm like, well, I'll just head to the beach and maybe I'll get stuck on the beach. You know, that won't be terrible. And uh, But that next morning, I wake up, look at the news. And, you know, the, the, the Indians, the locals are protesting the gas prices and food prices and, you know, the general way of life. Uh, and they don't like this conservative president. So that next morning I wake up and I read that he has lowered the fuel prices. And I'm like, oh, well, fuck, he gave in. Like, everything's going to be good. And I cross the border and instead of going to the beach, I just head straight towards Quito. And the first thing I see is... Oh, I got to stop. So, yeah, I get into to Ecuador, and the first thing I see is, like, this line of cars on the wrong side of the road, just parked. I keep riding. I see where the line goes, and it goes into a fucking gas station. And I'm like, oh, yeah. They, the gas price is just, like, now everybody wants gas. And I look down at my gas case, and I got just below... A full tank and I'm like you know I think I got enough to make it to keto I should be fine and then I see another fucking line of cars and this line of cars is like fucking 50 to 60 70 fucking cars long in line for gas 
like this is gnarly. And I go past three gas stations all like that. And I'm like, oh no, this is, they're, now they're catching up from the fucking, you know, the shit that's been going on. So I, you know, I, th- I think I've got enough gas and I make it a little ways. And the next, you know, my gauge just drops down to like three quarters of a tank. And I'm like, I look at like the mileage of the, I got my bike on metric meters or whatever. And I look at the distance to Keto and I'm like, right on the verge. I'm like, man, this is, you know, the closer I get to Keto, it's probably going to be harder to get gas. So I stop at a restaurant and uh, order breakfast and coffee and start talking to these kids. They were stoked about the bike and I asked them about the gas situation and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, we got you. And I'm like, what about the Rose to Keto? They're like, oh, you should be fine. I'm like, okay, all right, well, fucking sweet. And uh, I eat and I follow this dude down to a, a gas pump and he pulls over before the gas the gas station and there's these guys with fucking women and men with uh, like antifreeze jugs and fucking oil jugs filled with gas. And they're selling for five bucks a gallon. So I buy $10 worth of gas tops me off and I'm like sick and I fucking go on my way and there's another fucking gas station with a line there's like three more dude so then I get like to the you know it's it opens up and I'm on like a a four-lane highway with a big median and there's not much traffic and I'm cruising along and then I see like a a weird section in the road where it's like you know there's fucking black pavement the concrete's fucked up you can tell something was on fire and there was debris in the road i'm like oh that was one of the roadblocks okay cool they got the the roadblocks cleared right that's what i was worried about was not being able to get through and i cruise down i see another spot like that then i'm fucking i'm going down this like descending into this valley and i'm fucking hauling ass and i look over to my left and there's this dude like chasing a bus down to try and get a ride And then I look back in my lane and there's like a fucking 10 foot pile of goddamn dirt in my lane. So I like, you know, luckily there's two lanes right there. So I just swerve over. The other lane was fucking clear, but I was rolling. Like there was like, you know, it just reminded me, I got to stay on my fucking toes. You know, like there's still some shit out there. Then I go past another couple places that uh, you could tell there were roadblocks. And then I get to this next little town. And there's three gas stations in this town. They all had tape around them and there was no line. And then I realized that there's no traffic on the fucking roads. And I'm like, oh man, this is, this is is weird, you know? And I keep thinking like, man, the closer I get to keto, it's going to get more fucked up. Hell, I'm still fucking two and a half hours away. So I keep cruising along and then I'd see a, a vehicle here and there. So I'm like, okay, you know. There's a little action, but this is a big fucking highway to not have any, you know, traffic. And uh, then I get to this next town, Ibarra, and the first gas station into town. Oh, my God. I was so relieved to see that there was a line of cars. I'm like, all right, so there's people out in this town. And then I get to the end of the line where the gas station is, and it's roped off. Nobody's pumping gas. They're just waiting in line for the gas to show up. And I'm like... Oh, no. Now I'm, like, really rethinking, what am I doing? Do I really want to go into the fucking capital city of Ecuador where all the shit has been hitting the fan? So I start, like, 
And I call up my buddy Greg to see what his read on it is. He's like, dude, you are fucking out of your mind. You do not need to go to that fucking capital city. And uh, he's like, dude, I'm reading on the internet. There's food shortages and gas shortages, and there's still fucking shit up. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. But he's saying this, and I'm looking over at this, like, fruit stand with, like, you know, 70 watermelons and fucking hundreds of lemons and limes. I'm like, well, you know, the food shortage might... You know, maybe that's in town. So I'll find a hotel to, you know, out here and like, you know, get my grip again. And uh, so I find one on Google Maps and it's like, and it's kind of, I was like, thought I'd get off the beaten path. I thought that would help out. And uh, so I like swerve through the city and get to this road where it's going to turn to dirt and there's going to be a hotel, right? Before it turns to dirt, there's like this big great going across like a french drain type deal and there's three dudes out there one of them's holding a rock and the other one's fucking picking these grates up and i pull up and he says no paso and he, he doesn't say intimidating like i i honestly was just like oh he's letting me know that this road doesn't go through you know like i was that uh what do you call it? ambitious or you know I, th- I mean i just i didn't i didn't take it as like a protest roadblock so I'm like, okay, he's just doing me a favor. I need to find another way to go to this thing. I'll get back on the main road. So I start going back towards the, and I'm on the Pan American Highway, the Dan American Highway. And I go back to that, go down a little ways, and I start seeing people around on the road and streets, like all parked and weird and acting funny. And, and all of a sudden I'm going down the road and I see a fucking taxi turn around coming back at me and, the, you know, the wrong lanes of the highway. Once again, there's a median. Get up a little further, bam, there's fucking people setting up a roadblock. Now they're throwing debris and shit out there. I can see some weird shit. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got to find a fucking hotel in this city, not, you know, like something good. So I find, I find like, a little, it's this hosteria. Hosteria, what's the name of this place? Cavana Nana or something. So I head there. Dude, I get fucking, you know, less than a mile away. Bam, there's like an established roadblock with tires going all the way across it. On the way there, I see a dude with like a fucking katana, you know, fucking samurai sword. They got machetes out there. And I'm like, oh, my fucking word. Like, these are, I can tell these are all, like, they all, I saw them starting to set up one where they were probably starting to set up all of them. And then I got to see them you know, in three stages of development. And that third one, there was, you know, there's people there, you know, there's obviously not everybody's okay with this shit, you know, they want their fucking gas, they want the food, they want everything to be back to normal. They're like, dude, the gas is only $2.90 fucking cents, man, and they're using an American dollar down here. Uh, so now I'm like, no fucking way. Anyways, I pull the map back out and I find another way to sneak down into this place. And, dude, could I have lucked out any more? I don't think so. I mean, this is a, a hotel with cabanas and shit uh, on a farm with coffee beans, avocados, lemons, and limes. And, you know, set up to house 50 guests at once. And I'm the only guest. So they got plenty of food, plenty of drinks. Because uh, I started thinking, like, fuck, if I get to a hotel, they may be like, nah, we don't, we're not taking on any guests because we don't know if we have enough food. We don't know how long this thing is going to last. And, Dude, I couldn't have found a better spot. Ends up being a couple from California owns it. They happen to be here on vacation, speak great English. Uh, the father and the son are here, and 
the wife and other son are stuck in Quito. They're trying to get them here. So I'm like, okay. So they're trying to figure out the roadblock situations and the path to get to the city. And, you know, they're working on the same thing. They're stoked to have me here. I got to have great conversations with this guy. And, you know, fuck. It's been beautiful. So now I just woke up my second morning here. Uh, yesterday, his wife was able to make it. The keto is about an hour and a half from here. It took her 14 hours with a guide, you know, traversing the countryside who knows the fucking roads to figure out how to get here. So I'm like, dude, I don't, you know, fuck, I'm just going to lay low, dude. I talked to him about maybe getting a helicopter, but I'm like, dude, I can't just like give up and not go, right? So I, I've been talking to Janelle about storing my bike at Freedom Motorcycle Rental, which is a place in... Uh, Quito that rents motorcycles and does tours, self-guided tours and guided tours. And she's friends with them. They're from the States or uh, that one of the owners is. So I'm like, this morning I reach out to uh, one of the guys <clears throat> who has their Instagram on the webpage. And I tell him, hey, I talked to your owner, Court, about leaving my bike there, but I can't figure out how to get to the city. Can you help me out? And he was like, oh, I know, Court, but this is... This is not Court's place. This is Ecuador motorcycle rental. You're talking about freedom. He's like, but I can help you out. He's like, what kind of bike do you got? I'm like, a Harley? He's like, well, I don't know, but I got a gnarly dirt road. You can go down. I can map you out and get you here to the city. And I'm like, fucking sick. Well, yesterday, I was flying the drone around, getting some footage, and realized I got a flat tire. So as of this morning, I put a plug in it. I'm fixing to pull the wheel off, go to town, get it aired up, make sure it holds air. Uh, figure out how long this road's going to take me and either stay one more night and try and navigate tomorrow morning or maybe even try this afternoon because the protest thing has only gotten worse. The government doesn't even want to talk to these motherfuckers anymore. They are not happy. Uh, there's no real, you know, there's no middle ground right now. Like, it's fucking shit's going off. And I just want to get home to celebrate the 4th of July in America with my family by blowing shit up and hanging out in the water in the fucking 100 degree heat. And uh, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make that happen. So that's the, that's the latest. That's the, the fucking the Danger Dan American Highway uh, story as of to the fucking roadblocks and gas shortages in Ecuador. Um, I can't. You know, I can't thank everybody that's helped me along this far enough, you know. Everybody from, you know, individuals like Randall Wiley to small shops along the way, like Justin Kelly over at Hang'em High getting me this piece that's held up through all the fucking torture I put it through. The guys over at Grand Teton Harley-Davidson, like, you know, they've been so much help, you know. And I got, I do have a situation with my throttle. I mean, I got, pretty much I'm dealing with the effects of running into that fucking truck last year. It's like small uh, electrical issue that's, you know, just aggravating. And, uh, but we're going to get that fixed thanks to those guys. So, man, and all you listeners, people that have been reaching out, I've got a bunch of footage. I'm going to put together a video. I hadn't figured out how exactly I was going to document this, this road trip, but I decided now I'm going to do, I'm going to focus the videos on the most dangerous roads that I ride through South America. The first one being the Devil's Trampoline or Adios Mi Vida. 
And uh, the next one is a road here in Ecuador that goes up to Cotopaxi Volcano. At least that was the plan. Now it sounds like the road tomorrow around maneuvering myself through the roadblocks to break into the city of Quito while there's a fucking active rebel force of Indians keeping that from happening for most people. Uh, that might be the next one. So can't wait to come back to America and take a break from this. Uh, um, I mean, this is an amazing trip. But, you know, South America, it's like it comes in both forms, you know. If I have an amazing time, there's the complete opposites on its way. And, uh, man, uh, so, so stoked that I met Sean Dronia. Make sure you guys follow him on the gram. He's the kid on the bicycle riding around Columbia right now taking photos and doing a really good job of, like, writing things about the country that he's learning and his experiences uh, just in a different format than what I'm doing here. So if you want to see some photos, go to Danger Dan on the Danger Danimal on the gram. I'll post some more stories or pictures about the shit I'm talking about, and uh, I'll work on these videos. I don't know how soon I'll be able to get all that out, but uh, thanks for following along, and... You know, uh, hopefully the next time I touch base with you, I will be in Texas.